Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I don't know about you guys, or if you're anything like me, but have you ever felt like you just keep trying, trying at life, trying at whatever you're doing, and it's just never enough? Do you ever feel like nothing seems to be working and the world seems to be against you? Have you ever felt like you have run into the wall of impossibility and that wall is going to continue to chase you the rest of your life? And if any of you are anything like maybe, maybe you, you, you've been to the church, maybe you, you've been to church enough times to where you know good parts of the Bible, or maybe the main statements, main ideas, and one of them is that God can do the impossible. And there's a verse in there that says, Jesus says, and with me, all things are possible. And maybe you go, okay, God, I, I believe that, but God, part of me says no. Part of me says, okay, yeah, okay, that's a great statement. That's a great idea, God. Yes, you do the impossible, but why don't you ever do that in my life? Last week, if you were here, if you weren't, we looked at this mom whose daughter was, was sick, and she came to Jesus, and, and Jesus said, you, are, you have such great faith. And I don't know if you are anything like me, but I read that, and I'm like, that's so cool for her. Great faith, because... There are so many times in my life where I look going, but I don't have great faith. And then we also looked at this, this soldier who came to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I know you can heal my servant. You don't even have to be in the same room. All you have to do is say the word, and your words will happen. And Jesus says, oh, you have great faith. And I look going, that's cool for you. Because I can think of more times than I can count of times I don't have great faith. If you're anything like me, you struggle in your faith at times. And then at what point do you say, you know what, maybe I'll just quit this? At what point do you say, you know what, maybe I'm just going to give up? Here's one thing I've learned about God. God takes your smallest faith and he turns it into his greatest victories. God takes your smallest faith and he turns it into his greatest victories. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. God, that your faithfulness does not depend upon how great of a faith I have. God, that you are faithful, that you are loving, that you are good, I thank you. I thank you that you are good. You are good before we walked in this room. You are good before we got any good or bad news that you are good. And Jesus, I ask that you would minister to us, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, and that you would challenge us today. And Jesus, I ask that you would speak to your people at churches all over the valley, no matter where your people are, if they're at CCV, if they're at <clears throat> New City Church, maybe they're at Relentless or... Um, Gateway, Jesus, I ask that you would speak to them and speak to us at City View Church this morning in G or this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I just want to say welcome to City View Church. If this is your first time, welcome. I'm so glad you decided to come. And as Mark and Alicia said, this is the perfect place for imperfect people. Today, you're going to hear about how imperfect I am. It's pretty, I talk about that a lot because I'm just, I, I try to be as real in who I am as much as possible. And this week was one of those weeks where, man, I, I did a good job at doing bad, just not being a good, eh, whatever. 
I just I had plenty of mistakes. And so as I studied and as I read this passage, I'm like, man, God, do you really have to take me through it before I teach it? Do you really have to make me experience it before I get there? And do you really have to have it hitting me in the face all week long and going into next week going, okay, God, how, what, hey, what are you going to do? That's this week, so that's this whole sermon. So we're going to get started. We're in Mark chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, go to the Version Bible app. If you don't have that, you can download it. Download it later if you need to. Um, Version Bible app, you can find our events and all the passages and everything um, will be there. Or you can just look behind me because all my main points, which is just that one, well, it was that one, um, and my verses are going to be there. But before we get to Mark chapter 9, verse 14, I want to catch you up. So Jesus and three of his disciples, he had just taken them to this place in, in Mark, this time called the Mount of Transfiguration. And at this point in, in, in the Bible, Jesus and, and his guys, they go up to this mountain, and Jesus had just told them in, in earlier passages, some of you will not see death until you see the Son of Man in his glory. So Jesus had just told them that, and now they go up to this mountaintop, James, Peter, James, and John, those three disciples, nine of them are left in the valley, three get to go to the mountaintop, and, and at this point, Jesus all of a sudden, everything gets shiny, and it's sort of like what you would expect Jesus to be like in the movie. You know, you see the movie, and it's like, oh, maybe you've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and like the hand and all that. That's sort of that kind of scene, what I picture, like all of a sudden, everything, clouds part, God's there, Jesus is there, and this guy named Elijah and Moses are there. Elijah? Yes, Elijah. And Moses are there. And so Peter is overwhelmed. We learn in another passage that actually Peter, James, and John fell asleep. That's sort of what they always do. They always fall asleep. So some of you, if you're like, every time I pray, I fall asleep, hey, it's okay, so did the disciples. And they were in Jesus' presence. So if you feel bad for falling asleep in the middle of your prayers, that's okay, because so did they. So they fell asleep, and all of a sudden, something woke them up. I don't know if Jesus got loud, Moses laughed loud, or Elijah got weird. I don't know what happened, but they're there. Peter's like, whoa, we should make you guys each houses. And God, all of a sudden, the clouds part, and God speaks, and God says, this is my son. Listen to him. Then Jesus is no longer shiny anymore. It's all dark and back to normal. Peter, James, and John are left with just Jesus. They're sort of looking at Jesus going, what in the world did we just see? Jesus tells them, don't tell anybody. And they're left going, what? So it's only the three of them that can talk about it. They can't even talk around Jesus because then Jesus said, I told you not to talk about it. So you know they still did. You know, Peter and James and John, every time they could get alone, they're like, hey, you remember that time we were on the mountain and all of a sudden things got shiny? Yeah. We're not, and John's probably the one going, we're not supposed to talk about this. But Peter's like, but I got to. So that's the story, okay? So they're up on the mountain. And they have no clue what's happening in the valley. You see, some of us, we, we, we experience God doing amazing things on mountaintops. And maybe many of us, as Josh was sharing, we've experienced God do some great things. But sometimes we forget there's things happening in the valley too. There's some people who are living in the valley. Some, people, some of us, we're experiencing God. We're like, yay, God, Jesus, all that. We're just having great times. But then the majority of us, we're in the valley experiencing hard times. And so Peter, James, and John, and Jesus are up on this mountaintop, and they're coming down to the valley to a situation. That's where we pick up the story right now in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It says, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. 
And some scribes arguing with them, meaning arguing with the nine disciples. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, meaning Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing? Now, discussing means what are you arguing about with them? What's the problem? So, so Jesus is up on the mountain. He's coming down. The disciples, the nine, nine disciples, so the rest of them are down there in the valley, and they're arguing with these, with, there's some kind of argument with all these people going on. And I wonder, if Peter, James, and John, the moment they walk down, they see everybody arguing, I wonder if they thought, the moment we step away, everything falls apart. My wife just told me the other day, she goes, she's looking at our house, she goes, I don't know how this happens. How do you guys make it a mess? I don't know how many of you like, you leave work for a week. Maybe you take a week off and you come back, you're like, why is this a hot mess? Maybe you're a mom and you leave, you leave for a weekend or you leave for one night and you come home and then there's dishes piled up to, to glory's heights. You're like, how does this happen? Or maybe you're the boss, you run a business and, and you're gone for a moment. You get sick and you come back, you're like, how is this a hot mess? Why is everything fall apart? Maybe you're a roommate and you leave and you come back. It doesn't matter how many times you clean your room, you come back and you ask your roommate, how does this happen? It's only you and I in this place. How does it become a mess? And they can look at you, I don't know. Because that's the response we give to my wife, my kids and I. It's his stuff. And I wonder if Peter, James, and John, they walk down the mountain, they go, we leave for this short amount of time, and now it's all falling apart. Can you sort of picture, because Peter is one of those disciples where he speaks his mind. He just is like this abrupt kind of guy. You know he's looking at his brother because that's what brothers do. You always blame the other brother. If something's falling apart, you blame the person that you're most comfortable with. You, 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 you usually get mad. I'm wondering if Peter comes down and he says, Andrew, I left you in charge. Why'd you let everybody do that? And we can sort of say things we don't mean to say and do things we don't mean to do. I did that this week with my wife. I, I was rude and inconsiderate, and I had to apologize to some people because I, I just got frustrated, and I took it out on her. I just said some not nice things. And I wonder, when they came down, they thought, what in the world is happening? The other nine disciples were like, what in the world is happening? Here's one thing I know, without Jesus, things always fall apart. Without Jesus, life can only go good for a little bit. And all that is is a little bit of momentum of the good until you run into a wall of your mess. You see, we all need Jesus. And anytime we leave Jesus out of our life, life starts to fall apart. And we're going to learn at the end of this story that it seems like the other nine disciples sort of tried to do things on their own strength. Seems like they, they, it, we're going to learn that they forgot to pray. We're going to learn some things about them. And, you know, anytime Jesus is not at the center, things start to slowly, little over little, a little bit of time, they start to fall apart. I talked to a guy last service. He goes, Jeremiah, you know, I talked about how he had sort of walked away from the Lord and a good friend of his challenged him and said, hey, you need to stop doing these things. He, like, she was very specific. You need to stop sleeping around. 
you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing this, because it's going to hurt all those around you. And all of a sudden, guess what happened? He's telling me, he goes, Pastor, all of a sudden, it's like, all these things start going wrong in my life. Life starts falling apart. And he just got to this point of repentance. He just literally told me this story last week. It's the first time I've seen him in months. And she came to us, she goes, she called him, and she said, hey, can I come over? And he goes, why? Tell me over the phone. She goes, no, I have to say it to your face. He knew what she was going to say, but he'd rather hear it over the phone because then you don't have to face the consequences. Not that she was going to punch him or something, but sometimes good friends punch each other. No, not really, but it seems like it would be a good thing. So she came over and she said, do you know why all these things are happening? He goes, yeah. You know, the disciples, I wonder if that's why things start to fall apart little by little. They had left Jesus out. So now let's get back. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. And one of the crowd answered him, and he said, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. So we, we meet this dad. There's two main characters in the story, or there's two main groups. There's, there's the disciples, the other nine, who lost faith. And then there is this dad who's losing faith. There's these two groups that are struggling with what's happening and what's going on with Jesus. And we find out in the story that this dad brought his son to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there. And I know sometimes in our life we can come and bring things expecting Jesus to be there in that moment, but we feel like he's not. It's not that he's not there. It's that Jesus will respond and react in the timing that's perfect to him, not to you. So this dad says to him, you, he says, I brought you my son Possessed with, or, or possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. Matthew chapter 17 is the same story. It says, I brought my, he says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. In Luke chapter 9, says the same story. It says, and a man from the crowd shouted, saying, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only boy. And the spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into convulsions with him foaming at the mouth, and only with difficulty does it leave him, mauling him as it leaves. I begged your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. Verse 19 of Mark chapter 9 says, and then Jesus answered them, meaning the disciples. Oh, unbelieving generation and this crowd. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsions, and falling to the ground, he began rolling and foaming at the mouth. So the disciples, Peter, James, and John, they come back with Jesus. There's this argument. This dad who brought his son to meet Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there. And then we, we run into the disciples who are probably in a frantic moment trying to figure out how do we help this, this kid And this dad comes to the disciples needing help. His son is demon-possessed, and you, in our culture, in our culture of America, we don't see this much today. I, I think we, 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 we see it, but we don't realize it's happening. 
We, don't, we, we call it other things. We call it a sickness. We call it something. We like to give it a label because then it seems to remove the spiritual power because we don't like spiritual things. We like to stay safe. We like the devil to look like the kid in Problem Child who has a little devil costume with a little pitchfork and a little tail because then the devil seems tameable and not too evil and not too bad. But if you go to the rest of the world, you're going to see that the devil is very alive and very active action and he loves to possess and he loves to do evil things. And here in America, we like to calm the devil, but we don't realize he's not calm. We've just lied to ourselves. But in the rest of the world, he is very active and he is doing things and he's doing those things. He's doing these same things now in our world. Talk to somebody who's been outside of our country because there are Christians all over the world who experience things that we will never even begin to fathom or understand. Pastor Brian's here right now. I don't know how many of you know him, but he he just got back from Africa, and I'm sure there are things that he experienced. He's been lots of way more places than I have. But this dad comes to these disciples. They come to Jesus. He's experienced this true pain, this demon possession of his son, his only son, And he begs, he pleads with the disciples to to heal, but they couldn't. And I wonder, as I put myself into the disciples' shoes, I wonder if they felt helpless. I wonder if they looked at this son and this dad and they they said the words that they've heard Jesus say, they did the actions, and I I don't, not that Jesus karate chopped things. I don't know why I did that. Um, Jesus is like, yeah, I don't know. And I wonder if they felt helpless. I, I wonder if they felt like they didn't have enough faith. I wonder if the disciples, those nine, felt like failures. Have you ever felt that way? Like the one moment you should be able to have the faith is the moment you fail. You feel like God's been prepping you for the biggest moment, this moment in life. It's finally that time where you're like, God's like, okay, now let's see that faith that's been growing and you get to that moment and you fail. Anybody ever been there? I was there this week. I was there this week. It was Wednesday and Wednesday I got some really bad news and I'm not gonna tell you today. Come next week because I'll probably share with you next week. So Bummer, sorry for you, um, but I got some news and I was not super happy about it. And and in that, and I was in a meeting with some leaders. We're planning our 2022 calendar, and we're just looking at what God's what, what, now what God's going to do. Like we can plan out God's moving, um, but we're looking at what, what's going to happen next year and just all the different things. And we, I get bad news, and I come back to this meeting, and I I I am rude with my words to my wife. And I had to apologize to everybody that's in this meeting. And I don't know, there's nine, ten people there. And I don't know if you've ever had to apologize to people that aren't related to you. If you haven't and you've done that, grow up and apologize. I had to. I had to do that. I had to send a text to all of them and because I, I didn't want to get them all in a room. I mean, I could have done that too. I would have done that. But I'd be like, I'm sorry. I, uh, one, and I didn't say as a leader. A leader shouldn't do that. I said as a husband and as a man. Has nothing to do with me being a leader. And I had to apologize. This moment where my faith, my faith should have shined and I should have been this like leader, like, God's got it. And instead I'm like, Jeremiah's a jerk. As my friend Jared would say, facts. I can relate to these disciples. Now, I'm assuming this is how they would be because. They're no different than me. 
We see at the end of the story that they say, Jesus, why couldn't we? What did we do wrong? I think we can all relate to that moment where it seems like we, ha- we should have had faith in that moment, but why did we fall? We should have had faith in We should have been strong enough in who Jesus is, but why did I fail in this? Why did I make this mistake? Why did I do this? Why did I say this word? Why did I react this way? I don't know if you've ever been that way as a dad or as a mom or, or as a, a man or a woman or as a roommate or whatever it is where you've had that moment where you've done the very thing you said, I would never do it again. I wonder if that's how the disciples felt. So now let's jump back into the story. We're look, now let's look at the dad. So Jesus, he looks at the crowd and the disciples. He says, oh, you have your faith. And then Jesus turns to the dad. He says in verse 21, and he asks his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it is often throwing him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on him and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. I love this interaction between Jesus and this dad. You see, the books of Matthew and Luke don't capture this conversation. They don't capture this moment where Jesus says, how long? The book of Mark is written from Peter's perspective as he tells this young man, Mark, the story of what Jesus did. That's the book of Mark. It's written from that perspective. And so for, for, for Peter, this moment was a big moment. For Peter, this moment was he saw something in Jesus that he hadn't seen. He saw this, this, this one-on-one relationship between Jesus and the man like everybody else disappeared. And Jesus reaches out to the man and he says, how that's Jesus he's a personal Jesus Psalm 116 it says that that God inclines his ear to you the word incline it means to bend down it means to to kneel down so that you could hear it has the idea of a father or a man bending down that they might hear what a child is saying that's the idea And so I picture this dad so distraught, so broken, so heavy-hearted. He just wants Jesus to move. And sometimes we just want Jesus to move, but sometimes Jesus wants to say, hey, how long have you been struggling with this? And sometimes the best healing of the heart is when you actually verbalize what's on your heart. Because when you keep it in and it can't get healed, you sometimes hold it, but when you say, God, I been struggling with this for, as the dad says, since childhood. God, it's been forever. Or he says, Jesus, it's been since he was a baby. And I just, I love this. I, I really do. It's one of my favorite moments with Jesus and a dad, and it's only two words. How long? But in those two words, it's a relationship. It's a moment that Jesus Pause the crowd and focus on the one. How long? How long? And the dad, he looks and he says, from childhood, it's often thrown him into the fire and into the water. It's trying to kill him. When you see that, you know it's of the devil because the devil is the one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And then the dad, I love the dad's honesty. 
He says, but if you can, but if you can do anything, how many of you have ever been there with God? God, can you? God, will you? God, what can you do in this situation? I can so relate to this dad. I've been in this seat lately. It was just this week, it was Tuesday morning, I went to the, this place called the Prayer Pavilion. It's over at Dream City Church on Cave Creek, like between Thunderbird and Greenway. If you've never been there, it is like, there's something about when I walk into that building. It's all glass, I want one. Like if I could have anything, I want one of those. I know some people want a fancy car. My kids always ask me, Dad, would you want this kind of car? I'm like, no, I like my Scion. It gets good gas mileage. When everybody's paying like $100 a gallon or $100 for a tank, I have a Scion. No matter what, it's like 30 bucks. doesn't matter if it's a dollar a gallon or $30, $30 a gallon. It's like my, my tank is cheap. It's a small car. It gets me where I need to go. But I want a prayer pavilion. There's just something about it. Now, I know I could make one in my house, but this one has glass and a mountain that you look at. Um, Buy me a mountain, someone. But I sat in this room, it was a Tuesday, and I was, I'm struggling. I listened to this podcast about how to be a good father, and I felt like a failure as a dad. Just struggling sometimes. Making bad decisions. Not, and I'm not talking about anything crazy. It's just like not being patient as I should, or feeling like maybe I've been a little more absent, a little focused on other things, maybe haven't read my Bible enough to the kids or prayed enough with them or who knows what. When you get to a certain point, if you ever, if you ever get to be a mom or a dad, or you, you get to this point where you're like, am I doing enough? Have I done enough? What's going on? You start freaking out because your kid's 14. You're like, oh my gosh, do I have enough time? That, that was my moment. And I'm in this prayer pavilion and I am pleading with the Lord. I am weeping and crying. If you can believe it, I, I cried. Um, I don't cry a lot, but sometimes I do. And so I'm on my knees in this prayer pavilion, crying out to God, saying, God, please help my son. Please help my kid. And I'm pleading with him. And I said, God, if you can do anything, I was there. And then Jesus turns to him and says, if you can. I love that. Jesus is like, if I can, are you, do you know who you're talking about, talking to right now? I sort of feel like just like, if I can? Wait, wait a minute. You, you already came to me like, if I can. I don't think Jesus is rude or prideful or anything. I really don't, I don't know how. I, I picture what I would do, but I'm not God, and that's a good thing because I would slap people around a little bit. Um, so it's a good thing that I'm not God. I, I don't have as much grace as Jesus does. But Jesus says, if I can, he says, says to him, he says, if, if I can, he says, all things are possible for him who believes. You know, I look at the, the mom from last week. She had this great faith. This dad doesn't. I look at the, the, the soldier, the captain, the, this military man from, last, from two weeks ago who had great faith. This dad doesn't. I can't relate a much, that much to that mom. There are moments in my life where I'm like, God, what in the world? Like, I, I, when I, had, I, just, I was talking to a friend of mine today. There was this moment where my kid was super sick. He's in the hospital. I'm mad at God. I'm preaching on stage. But I'm like, God, what in the world? Why is my kid so sick? Why is this happening? My faith was struggling. I can relate. I, I, but to that mom with the great faith, I'm like, okay. Now, 
don't get me wrong, there are moments where I'm like, okay, God, you're going to do it because you're the only one who can. But I have more moments like this dad than I do of that mom. Just being honest. And Jesus says to him, all things are possible for those who believe. Jesus says, do you believe? And this dad, this dad's faith is being tested. All eyes are on him and his eyes are on his son. So if you can picture, I don't think this dad is cross-armed. I think the dad is probably trying to do everything he can to calm his son because his son is in the middle of this, this demon possession right now where he's shaking and he's frothing and it's, it's scary and his, his dad's wondering, is this going to be the last time? Is Jesus going to be too late? Jesus, I already brought him and now look, he's doing this and you're asking me how I'm doing and you're asking me where my faith is and I'm like, I believe you, Jesus, but come on right now. And immediately it says, verse 24, immediately the boy's father cried out and he said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, commanded him to leave and never to enter the boy again. And crying out, throwing him into the terrible convulsions, it came out and the boy became calm like it looked like he was dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and got him. This dad says, I do believe, help my unbelief. I have been there where my unbelief is outweighing my belief. Anybody relate? I've been there when I was in college and I knew I had to pay my bills. God, I believe, but my unbelief is outweighing it right now. I was there when, oh, I, I, man, it could be time after time. I'm like, okay, God, I believe. But Lord, my unbelief is heavy. And that dad says, I believe. But God, my unbelief. And that was this week for me. I've had those same conversations with Jesus. We're like, Jesus, I believe you. I do. I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you. I know all these things. But man, I'm struggling in it right now. I'm struggling, Jesus. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I don't know what it's going to look like. I can't see the end, whatever it is. I can't see it. This week, I mean, I'll share with you guys next week, but man, this week has been one of those weeks where I'm like, okay, God, I, I can't see that. I can barely see today, but God, I can't see tomorrow. You can, and it's not fair. I believe, but help my unbelief. Here's the thing. If you've ever been in that situation where you feel it's bad to question God, where you feel it's bad that you can say, God, but I don't know if I believe you. I don't know if I can trust you. That's okay. It's an okay seat to be in. This dad's public announcement of I believe you, but help my unbelief. It's heavy, my unbelief. This dad's words are written in three different books of the Bible, read by people all the time. I'll bet these verses are read every Sunday somewhere. So this dad's lack of faith is talked about a lot. So if you feel like you're the only one, you're not. We all have been there. Some of us are in that seat right now. Some of us just got out of that seat. But don't worry, God is faithful. Jesus heals that son. Because God takes your smallest faith, and he turns it into his greatest victories. And the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, verses 28 and 29, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus says, this kind cannot come out 
by anything but prayer. And so I wonder if they tried all the things that Jesus had done, but they forgot the one thing of saying, God, we need you to do this. Another passage says prayer and fasting. I wonder if they just didn't pray at all. I wonder if they forgot the whole, God, can you help me first, and then go and do whatever needs to be done. I don't know. It seems when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the same response is given. He just adds prayer and fasting, but it seems like they forgot a key part, or maybe they didn't know it yet, and it was just a lesson for us. But he says, this kind of can only come out of prayer, because prayer is the power for movement. Prayer is how God aligns you with him. And when you're in prayer, you can find the direction on where he wants to go. And so, I don't know what you're struggling with in your faith. I don't know what move in your life God is wanting to do. Maybe for some of you today, it is your, your struggle, your faith, your move, your action is to get baptized today. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's what God's been calling you. He's been laying it on your heart and you're battling with him going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't need to, I don't want to, I'm scared, whatever reason. And God's saying, just go. Maybe it's a relationship that God says, we just put it in my hands. Maybe it's a child and God's saying, we just put it in my hands. You keep taking it back. You keep taking it back and I just want you to leave it in my hands because only in my hands will anything work. Maybe it's a roommate. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. I don't know what you're holding, but you need to say, God, it's yours. And you need to be like that dad. Okay, God, I believe, because let me tell you, I can say all this, and I say this stuff, but I struggle with sometimes putting it into action. I'll be real. I'm like, God, I, I believe. And th- this week, I literally was on my knees in the prayer chapel crying on Tuesday. God, I believe you, but help my unbelief. And let, so not only did I study this, but in my yearly Bible reading, so I'm reading through the Bible in here, guess what passage I've read two, three different times this week? This one. This is where I've been all week. I've read it in Matthew, I've read it in Mark, and I've read it in Luke. Not just the study, but part of my Bible reading. What do you think God's trying to drill into my head? Yes, you believe. And I know you have a lot of unbelief. It's okay. Because God wants to take my simple faith, my smallest faith, and turn it into his greatest action. So what's your step? What's your handoff today? Is it being baptized? If that's it, we have clothes for you in the back to change into. I've got water over here. We don't have anybody signed up this service. Everybody got baptized last service. Last service, we had three people. So if that's you, I'm gonna pray. I want you to get up, and I want you to do this. Lord, thank you. Thank you for taking our simple faith and using it to be glorified. Lord, thank you that you don't need the most amazing, the most outstanding, the most crazy kind of faith. You're just asking us to believe. Even if it's small. You just said believe. 
And Jesus, so we come to you and we say, I believe. But Jesus, help our unbelief. In Jesus' name, we pray. So I'm gonna ask you guys to stand as we sing this last song. If, if you know today is your day to get baptized, don't, don't wait any longer. Stand up. Go over here. And God's going to move. Let's sing. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.